0: By by the grace of you guys should get God, like a picture of like an infinity
1: and then like customize the license plate to be something fun. Uh, like, How do you uh, picture
2: infinity? Like the circle,
1: man No, just like, a, like
3: the figure No, thing the right. car, an
1: infinity
2: Oh, infinity. oh, an infinity. oh, an infinity. oh no, <laughs> sweet ass infinity It's a fucking
1: yeah. tight car uh, yeah, that's true <laughs> <laughs> Picture Uday whipping a fucking
3: <laughs> infinity <laughs> Not Kuse, though, he wouldn't fuck with an
2: infinity uh, nah. We're here with uh, our friend and my roommate, Ben oh, uh, Ben, what's your last name? Contillo. Oh shit! Yeah. you don't know um, who the
3: person you live with's <laughs> last name is, that's pretty pathetic. Nah. Imagine if I didn't yeah. know Meg's last name. i be like Meg. Oh, she's gonna kill me Meg for this one. Meg, Meg, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Megan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your Meg last Megan. name, Ann. Meg Long Island. <laughs> uh, let's
2: let's jump into this here. So, um, the first okay. So the first topic welcome, is uh, today. Yeah. So welcome Ben. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for listening. Um, first topic... Oh, and th- uh, I'm Leonard DeFranco. This is Brian Pisano here. Hey, um, All right, so let's jump into it. So today there was a minor bit of, like, baseball trivia. Uh, this is something that's going to be published in, like, a book that's really pulpy that you read in the library when you're supposed to be doing research for other stuff. And you see <laughs> that, like, in 2017, the Cleveland Indians set an AL record with 21 straight wins. Mm-hmm. And um, I, think me and Ben were having a conversation about this last night, and it was like... Damn, we're just like bracing for the hot takes from people yeah, that are that yeah. now, like, whenever you put the <laughs> give a chance to like the media class to talk about fucking Chief Wahoo, they're going to take it, and it's like, <sighs> oof. It's, Get ready.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that is an extremely Oh, racist. it's the
2: worst. It's the
3: worst. Well, there is the, there's an even... A guy I saw at the game today was wearing the older version, which is somehow more it's, racist. He's got the big nose. Like, yeah, he looks like Mr. Burns, but like a cartoonish <laughs> like racist version of Mr. Burns.
2: Like, I like, like the Do biggest. you think when they vote at the at the owners' meetings, they're like, we're going to try to sell more merchandise with 16 throwback games, and all the teams with racist emblems are like, uh, wait, wait, can, can we uh, <laughs> dial that back to maybe like four? No, but imagine
1: how much... <laughs> Like went on just to get that nose changed, and now yeah. they're like, Well, it's not just the nose, the whole thing is <laughs> racist. Give, we gave you the nose. What else <laughs> do you want from me? You
3: can't you can't just give the logo a nose job and expect it to Dude, not be racist is, anymore. Yeah,
1: it is real racist. And
3: it's all, it's also they've clearly conceded because they went back to having just the C logo, like just a regular C for Cleveland logo. I was watching the they,
1: game last night, they all like they have these unnecessarily gigantic uh wahoo patches on their sleeves. We're like most teams don't even do that. They right. just have the yeah. They're doing it on purpose. They, they just they gotta
3: they stick, stick it to somewhere. Defiance. Yeah, yeah. TV well, number. You know, the C Mr. is also Mr. problematic. Matt is, Mr. Met is racist against alien baseball people. So <laughs> 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 they don't normally look like that. They have normal sized baseball heads,
2: not giant ones. It's a- <laughs> Mr. Met is very gender normative because he has a whole family. Like, there's a wife. They have like she's yeah, holding a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no um, baby Met. I don't think I've, I've never seen. There's that. a baby Met. It's sleeping. I guarantee what? you. Yeah, it, a bay, it's, <laughs> right it's a baby. It's adorable. Yeah, right now it's. I
1: <laughs> yeah. right, got a live His <laughs> name is going. Henrique.
2: Not, Hen- not Enrique, Henrique. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Good luck to the fucking Indians. I hope that they won. They won, they won today. They, set, they I'm really for, the no, I know, high high but they're, they're, they still got it. The record
1: the was standing since like 1881. From the, the teams were yeah. called like the New York How they, City. How is the AL like that the,
2: bad? Because the, there's they didn't set the major league record. That's still still no, 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 five away from that. I thought they oh 26 26. AL.
1: Um, I don't know but I also feel like this is just not going to get covered because yeah. people don't want to have to mention the name Indians it's their own fault like they actually could have converted this into like another one of these insane this team that sucked for so long like the Cubs or like, right. like anyone else oh my god they're doing so well yeah. and they just made the mistake of be like but we're going to double down on Chief Wahoo yeah, we're yeah. going to really sink <laughs> in <laughs> here. we
2: can't get rid of it we like, just can't people oh, just won't cover they could have gone with the uh, Cleveland Lady Boys <laughs>
1: oh yeah the Lady Boys I've always thought that uh, it's a great thing a team should just be called the Lady Boys, <laughs> like the old times. And I'd like to see a bunch of like real working class Ohio guys being like, "I was a lady boy. My dad's a lady boy." I don't want these New York elites coming in here telling me I got to be like the Cleveland Wind or whatever the yeah. hell you want to call me.
3: No, we're not a WNBA team. We're we're a family of lady boys. Yeah. we're long yeah, legacy Yeah, like a mascot with
1: a big foam penis <laughs>
3: wearing a dress.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what the foam the foam finger is. It's a foam cock like the And there's just there's stuff.
1: pride. It's about history. It's not
2: about Yeah. It's <laughs> about going it. with my dad down to the stadium and watching the lady boys perform. Yeah. Beautiful grass. It was the only grass we saw. And you can't take that away from people. Right. <laughs>
3: Well, that's the thing is that, like, you, well, that is the, that is a great argument because it is just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we just defend the legacy of this team and it's always been this name and all that stuff. It's like, uh huh, interesting. But, like, look at the other team names and all, and even like the Braves, which you could, which had a Chief Nakahoma. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I forgot about that. They you still know, like, do the chop in the war whistle. They, the they, they, they go We're crazy. Like, you know, and so but at least like, it's more of an homage. This right. is like, that's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> There's nothing, right. like, whenever you hear, like, well, the Blackhawks, like, like, they really mean it. Like, they, they, like, really want to have, an homage to the, like Native American tribe. And you're like, all right. I can kind of see it. it's a little clumsy, but Chief Wahoo is a buck toothed, red faced <laughs> yeah, Indian yeah. who's like wide eyed and psychotic, and, <laughs> and it just it makes goddamn sense.
3: He's hopped up on tobacco and uh, spirit ceremony. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah like sweat lodge or whatever. It's red faced like,
2: ghoul. Yeah. <laughs> um, the funny thing about this too is that like uh, the Seattle Seahawks, okay, are like have uh, the potential their old logo was actually like legitimately looked like inspired by like quaki oodle art it was like very spectacular oh well, yeah the new, one, oh, is. Yeah, the new one is too The new it's one like, is definitely the same has a Northwestern Pacific Northwestern but kind of. the old one was was done in the style of it. the new one is more cartoonish and then oh, yeah. they, they came out with like this new beak-to-beak which looks like oh, yeah, fucking cross beak beak-to-beak yeah. yeah. it looks like, like they rendered it and turned it like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like exactly. oh that's what that thing looks like but it's, it's just like a saving shit or something and it's funny that they're committing to the cartoon thing when like the thing that's fashionable is they should just try to be like the one Native American that's good at That acceptable, (laughs) yeah, like logo. And I don't know who's advising them. And also, that would be like because they have Richard Sherman and like Michael Bennett, and like they could be like the the most woke players, yeah, exactly.
1: And you know, Pete Carroll. He's, he's pretty, one of the only very coaches. Very woke
2: to the reality. Yeah, of he's
1: one of the only people that's actually looking for the truth.
3: Yeah, about who, did nine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, who did 9/11? Exactly. And who did 9/11? Imagine
1: also- being Pete Carroll and your life is that good, <laughs> and you're still like, you know what? I gotta get to the bottom of this.
3: <laughs> Just like of the show. Yeah, yeah like those can't problems tell. don't stop with your at your bank
1: account. No, 9/11 truthers are a segment of society that cuts across. Racial Sexual Gender lines You can never tell Who's a nine eleven truther Until yeah. they say something like Well you know You ever hear about Building 7 <laughs> <laughs> or <You're> something <like>, No <laughs> In fact like Just accusing someone of it Is so mean Because like It's believable No matter yeah, who no, it no, is
3: No that's yeah just, Well I'm, honestly Our whole first episode Was pretty heavy 9-11 truther Alex Jones kind of stuff uh, oh yeah Well he's just right I mean uh, to He's the, right on everything word. Mostly chemtrails In my opinion Imagine if you believed In chemtrails But you didn't believe That's the other thing About 9-11 trutherism Is that you kind of Have to believe All the other ones Because it's like Well if the 9-11 Truther thing is true Then you also Have to believe in chem You can't just select You can't say like All right chemtrails Are also a thing <laughs> And also the fraud nah, I
2: don't know the- about The chemtrails You know maybe like Maybe they planned that But they, they really stopped there Right
3: I think that's what's inter- So interesting to me About the truther segment Where it does cut across um, a lot of different segments of society—that's regardless of class, race, and, and uh, culture—but um, hot mic. Um, but it, there are just like there's just cascading. it's Like once you believe that one. It all goes, it all goes downhill. Like you're, yeah. you're you're bent on like every perspective you could have about every major event in history or like why we <laughs> exist. Is. There was
1: that video of Prince. It was like right before he died when people were still like, man, Prince is really fucking smart. But he was like a fentanyl addict who yeah. was saying insane things. And he's, he was on one of those late night shows that's on, I think it's on BET but it's like one of those late night talks it's, like like it's like a bluesy it's the Carson
3: like, Daly slot of BET yeah like and, and, and he's just yeah. like
1: he's <laughs> like I would notice these planes would fly over when I was a kid and everyone would get real mad and start fighting each other and that's when I knew chemtrails Yeah, really and know, people yeah. were like wow guy like Prince is actually a smart guy so this must be something this Three weeks later he's dead. <laughs> he just well, also,
3: <laughs> What would the conspiracy theorist thought would
2: be? is like he blew the lid off. Yeah, yeah he, they, they, he's the one who knew. All of a sudden, and, and, people uh, were like, just damn, this and, he blew the lid off." freaky of, little sexual dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he had all of his hair because he was electrified from playing so much guitar. And so, like, this is why he continues to be youthful. Uh, obviously he was right about that too. Well, we are also over the flight path to LaGuardia right now. So if we start fighting in the middle of this podcast,
3: we all know it's Chemtrails. It's Chemtrails. <laughs> Let's get
2: going on fighting. Here, I got a good I got a good topic to do that on. Uh, so, okay, so the, the, the like, kind of meat of this, uh, episode is gonna be, I think, dedicated to, um, so ta Coach wrote an article, uh, I feel like he's kind of on, like, a mixtape schedule at this point. <laughs> uh, like, he just drops, like, a big article on by surprise every couple months, and yeah. it's like, oh! Mike <laughs> Trapp. Yeah, and... I think this was adapted from his book that's coming out. Yeah, too, he, right? he has a book that's coming out, but he, like, came out, I don't know, the My President Was Black was also a big deal, the reparations one was a huge deal, and, um... So this most recent one, um, what he uh, what he came out with was this article that we're gonna we're gonna read a couple of excerpts just to kind of set the stage. Um, basically, it's an article. Um that's a it was called the first white president which is a pretty fucking stupid title by the way that's a re- and he never justifies it he wait was, why that's stupid because there's lots of white presidents <laughs> <laughs> well, that, first male I, president i was <laughs> waiting for that reveal
3: throughout the article because i i got i thought i got from the title i'm like okay i can kind of see where he's going with this where this is like the first kind of like white pride president yeah. maybe or like this yeah, is the, like yeah, I, yeah. and he kind of illustrated that in some it, it was, wasn't punchy enough to be the title right exactly like it's
2: like uh, maybe it's like it it of bit like too yeah. Like it, was just, it was obvious it was, what he was trying yeah. to do. Whiteness is more profound. He, he meant, yeah. yeah, like as it, as opposed to like a Republican or like the, the chief identifier. The for Chief him, power through, right? The chief just, Wahoo yeah. identifier of him was <laughs> was whiteness. Twenty
3: one wins. Um, so <laughs> let me so how let me is the is on a twenty one win. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, he might be taking an L now, according to some people on the left, because that um, that's what we call a segue. Because it's, um, it's been re- it's been received very frostily by a lot of people who. Have put a lot of work into trying to um, establish the narrative of the election, and it's a legitimate debate, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have some of it here. So let me just re- excerpt a, little, a few, a few lines from this, so we can kind of set the tone for like what we're talking about. Um, Brian, I know you have some too. Yeah. Um, so he's talking about um, uh, general, generally comparing kind of a class-based narrative for what needs to happen in politics versus his preferred narrative, which is that this is an incorrigibly racist society, and this is the main historical frame, frame uh, we need to see it through. Uh, he says, Trump's presidency is pawned off as a product of the white working class as opposed to the product of an entire whiteness that includes the, ver- includes the very authors doing the pawning, which is kind of uh, a shot at, like, I don't know, I think throughout the article there's a couple shots at like the fact that, you know, from Chapo on to, like, um, you know, Times there, op-ed that came
1: out right after the election about there, identity politics being.
2: There's a lot of, um, yeah, and, and most of the people that are kind of decrying identity politics are come from a pretty privileged set, and so he's, I think he's take, he took a pretty surprisingly straight jab at those people. Um, there, and when he's talking about, uh, it wouldn't be a tiny he quotes Art of Gulf unless he quotes like eight people from that died before 1905, um, and in that section he's talking about. Uh, What evil there was in enslavement resulted from its status as a subsidiary of the broader exploitation better seen among the country's noble laboring whites. So it's it's a class labor struggle. Once the larger problem of white exploitation was solved, the dependent problem of black exploitation could be confronted or perhaps would fade away. Abolitionists focused on slavery were dismissed as substitutionists who wished to trade one form of slavery for another. So, like, more um, uh, kind of a focus, like dismissing the people that are focused on working conditions as opposed to the fundamental flaw of slavery. Um, well,
3: that was like what Horace Greeley and all those other guys were saying. They're like, well, actually, like it's blocking ca- New York. Uh, yeah, and the, like, it. and the ca- like, capitalism, industrial capitalism is a problem here. Like, they're they're like, well, yeah, like at least in slavery, they have kind of a, they, at least they have a social safety net of like somebody will take care of yeah, them yeah, when yeah. they're they're sick, as opposed to like the gr- brutality of uh, industrial age capitalism that was like tearing people apart in machines. But it was like, yeah,
1: uh, I mean, you do hear that, like especially from socialists, you hear the argument of, uh, like, yeah the white working class and slaves going all the way back. Yeah. They should have common cause. They're being divided strategically. Right. So it was interesting to hear him sort of deploy it in a way that was supposed to be like, and this demonstrates that there is a fraction here and like this is, instead of being like, let's be more clear-eyed and come together, it was like, this is, Sets up a dynamic that's harmful to, to yeah. like society as a whole, and
3: then, yeah, that, that's been a long-standing. It's like irrevocable;
1: thing. you can't change it. And like,
3: yeah, I mean, even you know the case historically, I think it's you know all the all the soldiers, Confederate, most of the Confederate soldiers who fought on behalf of slavery during the Civil War. Ninety-nine percent of them didn't own slaves, right. but they're fighting for an institution that they saw as like protective of their way of life, and they were just saying like, like well you're you're still you're not a slave, even though you are you live a pretty horrible life. Yeah, like yeah. probably at you, least you're not. A you, you, at least
2: you're not like you're. You still have the separateness to you though that, yeah. that gave you yeah. Which is a totally point valid point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the. I just wanted this is one more, and then I think this is a pretty direct shot too. Uh, Trump moved racism from the euphemistic and plausibly deniable to the overt and freely claimed this presented the country's thinking class hence like privileged white people uh, that are like from the academia. Yeah, Dick
3: Kristoff. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff. By Nick the way, Christoph it slams. is funny that Dick <laughs> Kristoff claimed sucks.
2: that he knows a Trump voter. Nick Kristoff doesn't know any goddamn Trump voters. One time I watched a
1: video yeah. of him bringing Caitlyn Jenner to a high school in Brooklyn where the kids were like, she's not, she shouldn't be winning this award. Like there's more important trans people. And like he really thought they were all going to be like, oh my God, a celebrity. And they were like,
3: nah, I stand by what I said. Of course, like bringing Brooklyn like, teenagers, the most like the, the ones yeah. who are just like, fuck this.
1: <laughs> I brought you this rich person from Malibu to yeah, tell yeah. you why you're bad and <laughs> yeah. they're good. Shut the fuck up, Nick. Yeah.
2: Ben, can you do an impression of Caitlyn Jenner ogling the basketball players? Ooh, high boys. <laughs> 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 you just do, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> uh the it, the implications of, of what of the of okay of saying that like there has to be a racial based um, lens, uh, which is that systemic systemic bigotry is still central to all politics. That the country is still susceptible to such bigotry um we're just too dark leftists would have to cope with the failure of class unity in the face of racism so he's basically just saying like hey look i've studied this my narrative this is the dominant thing and i think that's interesting is because uh what a lot of people have kind of been really ex- energized by after the election was that there has been the emergence of this this counter narrative of like what's happened with the left and it's basically that we weren't focusing enough on substance and just no sooner does everyone get excited about that than Ta-Nehisi Coates wants to come in and um, kind of put his dick down and be like, "No, this is like I- I'm reasserting that racism is the chief lens we have to look at this through." Um, and it's I, my my read on it is uh, basically that like there's a in the life of a public intellectual you have to have a couple of uh, sort of counterintuitive stances. Mm-hmm. And, like, what would like, Christopher Hitchens be without, like, Mother Teresa and Iraq? You know, I mean, you like, you get paid the big, bu- big bucks at some point point. you develop a legacy from taking counterintuitive positions mm-hmm. that are unpopular and mm-hmm. that you have to, like, defending them is, like, entirely your intellectual muscle. Like, that's what differentiates that. And so I think that by putting a flag on something that's unpopular and kind of sapping t- some of the air out of um, the narrative being put forth by some of the more, like, the DSA-type people... Right,
3: where they're, like... Maybe give everybody health care and let's
2: let's think about race or the
3: the, yeah or, or build a coalition across whether it's white working class or black people. it's, or a, it's or a
2: ballsy that. move for him to do that yeah and, and uh, I, I kind of respect it though and I also have to say that like I kind of agree with him like I think that um I think that I primarily do view uh Donald Trump's victory in to large extent to more of it I view it more as a function of his running as an open bigot in a country that favors Bigotry, rather than um, the so. In other words, I think what he's saying is that Donald Trump was uh, embraced for a certain reason, which is that we have this latent bigotry, uh, or or overt. And the other side is kind of saying that Hillary Clinton lost because she wasn't strong enough on issues. And I kind of tend towards the former of those. You
1: think he won the election, not she lost it.
2: Um, I think that he was uh, a candidate in the first place that ran against Hillary Clinton. Like he, like Hillary wasn't running against Hillary Clinton in the primaries. Um, he was running against other people who, from the Republican sense, like there's very few people more substantive than like Scott Walker, for example, who um, had like his bona fides were more. Uh, Trump was unlettered. He was, he's all these negatives, and the main thing he was was just like. Resentment and racism. Exactly. So I think that, I do think that that's basically what propelled him.
1: Well, I, I mean, I agree that I think that resentment and racism got him into the White House, but I don't. I don't think that this really gives a practical way to combat this or like yeah. take back power. It's still 69% white this country. Like, yeah. if yeah. you're going to say like. I am willing, because of how disgusting and revolting I find racism and resentment this culture of it, I am not willing to extend universalist policies or health care to other people. Like I want to do a moral means testing for who gets what, right. and these people don't deserve it. Yeah. Congratulations on your morals, but like you are effectively disenfranchising yourself from ever taking back any kind of power in the short term. Yeah. I mean, maybe over time, as the demographics change, that'll happen, but like, we're speeding up a lot of horrible catastrophes day by day. Yeah. This is the first year of the Trump presidency. I, it's... Jam packed with action. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these things a is going to go it's sideways. Palace
3: intrigue,
2: though. A lot of, I mean, a lot of it's palace intrigue. But like, uh, I, yeah, I, but yeah, I, but um, there's a lot going on.
3: Um, so the means testing that the Democratic Party loves, I think, actually continues to perpetuate a lot of that, like that, the, the in, like, institutional racism that exists uh, in our society, where there's like, okay, well, like people, like welfare, like w- the welfare that. Clinton put into place and like welfare reforms that it's just like, well, it enables people to continue to be racist because they're like, or like the even that sector of society, the uh poor white working class that's like that everyone laments and what Tanahisi Coates talked about is like, well, we we could treat that with such compassion and we're like, oh, we should be treating all these problems like the opioid crisis with like uh legitimate. Medical as a med- medical issue, as opposed to you in the '80s when we were like, "crack is whack." Uh, we're gonna just bomb the inner cities and and no holds barred, uh, like a n- mandatory minimum yeah, policy. Yeah. So it's like so mandatory minimums, that kind of stuff, is like Democratic Party like or institutional politics parties like means testing and putting these things in place, as opposed to saying it's like what Ber- the message that I think Bernie Sanders was saying, or even Donald Trump was saying, was like, well, very opposing views on like they're like something's wrong. Something's messed up in in society. We got to fix it. As opposed to, it's like, well, we like the the traditional po- po- politician in the election, Hillary Clinton, was making the appeal. It's like, well, we, uh, you know, we still can work within this. America is still good because America, America was always great. Great America, that was, that was always a great bad and slogan. It's good. Yeah, exactly. And then like, it just doesn't resonate with the you know people whether they feel like they're the subjects of institutional racism or just they feel like that they're. Their power in society is being diminished by.
2: A, yeah, but why did? But but I think that one one of the points that he could make is like why did they feel like their power was being diminished? Um, the economy had been had been doing pretty well. I mean, like there's a lot of systemic stuff, but stuff that's been generations in the making. I believe the case that the reason they felt disenfranchised was because there was a black president, and uh, I mean he says it in like
1: to- totally. Also, I think that there's like you can't underestimate the power of how the media has completely allow them to feel victimized yeah. by just times changing at all. Yeah. And like I definitely think that like he makes a lot of good points in the article that are like, they feel like they're disenfranchised. But look at these numbers. They show that they're not. They're not saying we are disenfranchised. They're saying they feel that way. Yeah. And showing them those numbers just makes them be like, I don't want to read. You yeah. can't <laughs> fucking make me read that shit. And like, I get that it's odious to have to appeal to people who are full of shit and have it, you know, you feel like you're trying to convince a toddler to do something. Yeah. but fucking I don't want to die of global warming so maybe we have to find some way of building a coalition that's yes, a little bit bigger than ourselves exactly. and like yeah it might be, might be odious but like we're dealing with these odious people either way and maybe we can get something good out of it if we yeah.
2: find but, a fucking way to but, do it yeah totally I, I think that uh, I mean the idea that like p- part of the narrative of Hillary Clinton like the lament that surrounds Hillary Clinton is that she didn't know how to run she's not charming I mean like yeah figure out how to appeal to them and like and, uh, pander to them to some degree but also figure out how to like st- Yell without being really having. Shrill. Like, I don't yeah. want to say shrill, but yeah, shrill. I know. Like she gonna, sound, I know. She sounded a gen- horribly oh, shrill. Gen- shrill a gendered term. It is a gendered term, but she sounded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I she's like the definition of shrill. Yeah. You
1: well, well, know, calling like, a man shrill is extremely insulting. It's just way worse than calling a woman shrill. If someone called me shrill. I'm like, hey hey! hey, 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 I have feelings.
2: I mean, yeah, and like,
1: <laughs> I, there's so hurt.
2: part of the lament was that yeah, like she didn't know how to run, and like we wish that she had had a lot of different better political skills. But but what Tony Coach is fundamentally saying, and it's kind of what you're saying, which is that in order to do that, he's trying to call out the fact that you have to play into this myth of like the noble, hardworking, you know, white person being disenfranchised. It all for him, and again I think this is a compelling argument, it all rolls back under like if you have to start playing to blood myths about your, this is your country, and you know we know that you're not bad, but all, bad stuff's happening to you. It's very hard to make that case and not start resorting, especially in the context of uh, having, a, you know, the first black president. Now, a lot of people that were very, uh, very obviously angry about that. It's hard to have that not start dipping into nativism, and Donald Trump figured that out.
1: So I, I think that is true. I think that also. Y- one way to avoid that is to make a campaign that's based on really substantive issue-based, like you know, sort of appealing to the the retail voter, saying yeah. like, "Here are my issues," and saying to someone like, "I don't give a shit if you feel disenfranchised. I'm I'm giving you a better quality of life. That's what I'm going to do." Yeah. You you don't have to fall into these. You're right. These blood myths, these bizarre, like horrible fantasies that go on in these people say these revenge fantasies of bringing back the past. But you can do that by sort of being like. Well just tell me like I'm offering them this, what are you offering them? And and like really kinda of drill into it. And it, I yeah.
3: Know. It was interesting. I listened to part of the Hillary Clinton interview on Pod Save America before and That's what she... But that's the thing is that she didn't get in what Donald Trump figured out, which is Donald Trump had, which we all know, is that he figured out politics is show business now and I'm good at show business, so I'm going to do that. And Hillary Clinton is not good at show business, but she was, like, expecting... She's like, all right, well, like, Bernie can kind of slam me on these things and then I still think he's not really offering... And she has... There's some truth to this that's just like, well, like, I... I, I, I don't know how we're going to pay for this universal health care plan or I don't know how we're going to get it through Congress. You know, President Obama tried to do something that was like a very tame version of that and couldn't get it through. And it was just like, I, it was just frustrating to hear her talking about that. She's like, well, I thought for sure. And it was like, actually what Tana nehisi Coates is saying, that the failure of the media class is that like they didn't, Slam Trump on saying like, "Well, how are you going to pay for the wall?" Like, how, like they didn't follow up on that, or he just
2: managed. It to was, just, but it was such a joke policy yeah, that they yeah. didn't fit. The media completely dropped the ball. I mean, no yeah. one's holding no one it. That
3: was the the a They didn't take it seriously. But it's like, well, they expected she's like based on all she did her homework and based on all other previous yeah. debates, they would have been like, "Okay, how do you plan on financing this wall?" And I'm like, I guess you could think that way, but clearly this man is like figured out a wind well, around yeah, that system. One thing. of the things, yeah.
2: one of the things that you're yeah. kind of acknowledging is something that I've be, always said, which is that the The demagoguery of Trump is dumber and less useful socially than the demagoguery of Bernie Sanders. But I don't think that there's really that much daylight between the level of demagoguery, the level of fantasy being sold by Trump and the level of fantasy being sold by Bernie Sanders. I think think
1: that that the the direction of the fantasy, or if you want to call it a fantasy... the direction, yes, I totally agree with that. I think that, you know, I've said to you before, like, I think that Bernie would have been an extension of... The engagement of young people and actually saying to people like, you you can change things and right. like, if you vote, yeah. you'll see yourself reflected in the power structures of this country. He would have been more of an extension than that than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton right. represented maybe a practical way of advancing some of these policies that were already compromises. They were already right. like not exactly what we wanted and they, we, we had no guarantee that they were going to actually go in the direction of back towards what we wanted. They might have just like continued something in name only. It right. might have just been sort of like a continued compromise.
3: Yeah. Whereas we're, Bernie we're was we're like... No, Heritage Foundation <laughs> policy, which is a, a affordable care act to like, say like, uh, Kaiser, yeah. yeah, the Kaiser right. family. Yeah. That,
1: that that swell of emotion you felt when Obama, you know, was elected the first time, Bernie right. promised maybe not that, but like that, sibling, that can yeah. continue. He can keep breathing onto those embers and then whenever the next Obama comes, which what, hundred fifty years from now probably yeah. then you can feel that again. But until then like we can keep the the fire going. Right. Like, that yeah. was cool. And like and, uh, well, the yeah. Democrat party still has that
2: and they won't accept it. Yeah. <laughs> they're like the, they're, they're continued. Uh, the, I mean, the Democratic Party now refusing to accept that is pretty frustrating. Um, it's bizarre the fact that they're so slow to, to they were but so slow what, to sign on to the Medicare. That's for all why. That's why
3: I would argue though. Then I guess for the Democratic you're saying of Bernie Sanders, at least he moved the Democratic Party. And now, and Hillary Clinton in this interview was talking about it. He's like, "Well, I just care about the Democratic Party." He's like, "I'm a registered Democrat. I voted in the primary yesterday. I do not give a shit about the Democratic Party. They yeah. suck. They're it's not, a fucking they're not vessel. Good. Yeah, it's, it's just like they're uh, uh, anciently corrupt. I'm. I am uh-huh. only a. I liked them
1: back when they were pro slavery. That's when. <laughs> that's when I stood on.
3: Yeah, you know like, what? What is this? What's that guy who made the doc- Dinesh D'Souza documentary? That, uh, yeah. <laughs> the that? Nazi like, you know Democrats roots? were actually slave owners, um, but. <laughs> Uh, like, explain that to a child. Um, the, the children that watched Tanisha's He would go to like,
1: prison during
3: the day. Did yeah, you ever okay. see that? Yeah, he had to go to, like, he, had to go to, like he's in he was in time just, out essentially. But he right? was in
1: prison, they let him, like, he only had to go on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> I know, <laughs> he had that's pretty that great. prison. Yeah. And he was like, I met a cool guy named T-Bone who told me all about how you sell drugs, and it's just how healthcare worked with Obama.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like um, it fucking wasn't. Uh,
1: wasn't that Geraldo? no fucking Dinesh D'Souza he had uh, to go to jail because he was a lying piece of shit yeah
3: um, <laughs> but, sorry sorry <laughs> to, to put a button on that though is that, you got to yeah. jail for telling laws <laughs> yeah and so she was just like oh well we gotta care about the democratic party It's like nobody cares about that all people care about it. it's like they want health care and they want like, they, like so no. whoever gives that to them you know, you uh, know who cares uh, about the
1: democratic party is all the fucking people that staff the democratic party oh, who really are just sort of I hate them so they, much they, they really think of politics as like settlers of Catan and oh, they're just like oh the God. best Catan players
3: uh, they're clearly
1: Pretty bad. At it. Yeah, they suck at it. But they are like, well, I know the rules, so shut they up. They are
2: they are bad at it. I I want to <laughs> say I don't want to go too far in defending them, but I want to offer the context of something that I kind of realized recently, which is that I think that the the their shittiness at politics is a reason to not have professional politicians, rather than to say that like. Not like Podesta at all had no idea what they were doing in other words I think they did have some idea what they were doing I think that there's no way you can become Hillary Clinton and spend 30 years in politics without understanding the way the the actual levers of how politics works for example um, if you're a rookie uh, politician, you're going to be caught flat-footed and f- really get really frustrated when you find out that just saying something that's true, like eminently true, provable, doesn't actually go that far. You got to make the, you got to put some amplitude behind it, and that takes money, and money takes people who want guarantees and stuff, and you end up going down this cynical rabbit hole, which is absolutely not what we should expect of politicians. But I can see how it happens, and so I think that like, I in term, and I'm kind of coming after this from the perspective of like we're all trying to triage <laughs> while trying to basically kill the democratic party as it currently exists. We're also trying to triage so we can figure out what direction to take it in. Yeah. And I think that it's reasonable to say there's a reason they ended up this way and like if you really, if like if one goal is like to get rid of Tom Perez in charge of the DNC or whatever, the best place to start for this is like get money out of politics, you know, repeal some of the yeah. um some of the the laws that allow them to like says united and some of the gerrymandering laws and stuff. Um there's reasons why we get these completely craven political machines that are basically completely failing to represent anyone and this is a protest vote against that. Well, you
1: can also, I mean, there's a good, cool dichotomy between the Republican Party after they lost to Obama and the Democratic Party right now where the Democratic Party sort of has this mckinsey this consultification of like their, their infrastructure yeah. whereas the Republican Party went into a state of nature yeah. and allowed the <laughs> fucking Tea Party yeah. to drive them psycho to the point where now they have people who are like, no, the Earth is like 4,000 years old and they're fine with it. Like, they were like, this is actually what politics is. Politics is the living, breathing, human you know corpus it's all of us whereas the democrats are like no 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 it's just it's it's favor trading and it's understanding parliamentary rule yeah. and i mean more and more in a world that's like getting fucking weirder and wilder and like yeah. truth is harder to discern the republicans are riding a wave and we're swimming against it in a lot of ways. We're yeah. not... And,
2: like, we don't want to ride that wave all the way and then you get fucking cycles, Like, Donald Trump. Are, Yeah, uh, the Republicans aren't really riding a wave anywhere, though. I think that the, what happened they're was... Right, they're in front of a t- tsunami or yeah. something.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're just kidding. in right of deep, the
2: deep get, impact tsunami. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, part of that is an artifact of the uh, of, of the reality that, they that like, Democrats are basically the only governing party that we have. I mean, um, in, in the best of times, you have... I always liken the relationship between the two parties to, like, a, a kid... Uh, trying to walk like a really big dog, and the kid is the is the has the agenda of like staying on the sidewalk and not getting pulled, and that's like conservatism. And then the dog of equal power is trying to like sniff every tree and like go everywhere, and that's sort of like the way that like progressivism is always searching out like there's always going to structurally be disagreement among progressives because the debate is we all want to solve new problems and and improve life in various ways. What are the ways we should do that? Is it climate activism? Is it like economic activism? Is it racial justice? Whatever. And so there's always debate about what is the priority of these problems. And that's kind of what happens in the Tony C. Coates article. Um, the more you have that power vested in the sort of like the, the, the uh, dogs sniffing around like a uh, uh, segment of, of that relationship. And the more irrelevant to actually governing the conservative element is they stop being able to counterbalance it in any meaningful way. They become a party of no. They eventually having to say they eventually have to say no to ever to an increasingly ratcheting list of things, which now includes their anti-globe. Um, <laughs> it's flat. I've seen, anti- it. seen it Shaq's anti- seen it They're anti-science Anti-reality Yeah
3: No Kyrie Is Shaq too Shaq is too Shaq, Shaq, Shaq has no excuse Shaq, Shaq. He can
1: see a lot of the Shaq horizon. said <laughs> I've, flown, I've flown all around That motherfucker The motherfucker's flat <laughs> All the way around The flat yeah, earth The flat earth <laughs> <laughs> Under um, it is a system but, of stalactites. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I
2: want to. I want to mention uh, before we stop, like just a couple things that I, because I, uh, regarding specifically this essay that he wrote, I think that there's a couple uh, things that he doesn't account for accurately. One of the most glaring is that um, the, he paints. I mean, there's a lot of straw men that feature in the Steinheisiecoit article. Oh yeah. Uh, I think probably the main one is that anyone who brings up like who uses the acronym WWc is like. Um, you know, saying that they were right to vote for Trump, and that's absolutely not what people that talk about the, the fascination that the, like, the sort of liberal privileged media has had with the white working class since Trump's emergence is not that we think that this is a rational decision. It's that, like, literally a lot of like the mind share that liberal uh, pundits have with, like, the the problem of indigence and, like, you want to apportion out society in a more just way, a lot of that is focused on black indigence, you know? I mean, Ta-Nehisi Coates is is famous because... Like the problem that he speaks about, the plight of black Americans, is the sexy problem in the minds of, of the people that are tastemakers. They sure. did not know that the white working class existed. So the fascination is more like, a, oh, shit, we forgot those fucking people existed. It's not saying that like the white working class is is, is legitimate to, to or that was a, a good choice of theirs.
1: <laughs> Another interesting thing is the idea that people identify as... Uh working class now who are rich as shit, like yeah. Steve Bannon. Yeah. You can be trans class now. Like Steve Bannon is trans. Yeah. He's a trans guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 It's crazy. Yeah. And that's like like that's one of the only segments of society where no one has any problem with you being like, I'm working class. And having never been working class, growing up, like, you can... You, basically, you can't do it for uh, race, we found out last year, which I'm still up in the air about. I think
3: you should. Yeah, can. Rachel Dolezal well, 2020. Rachel, yeah, yeah. that's what... You no, know, I mean, to that point, that, like, that similar thing, the trans class thing, is actually a lot... I mean, you grew up in New, Jer- New, yeah. York, in New yeah. Jersey. New Jersey. Hell yeah, up in, dog. I grew in, so, uh, in Southern New York. Definitely white flight territory from yeah. New York City. And what I always hear from people of that age, where they're like, when I explain, I'm like, yeah, I live in Brooklyn, and like, you know, I... I, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. Really, they probably moved out or their parents lived in Brooklyn. And also they're like, I, you know, we lived in an integrated neighborhood and we didn't have these problems. I'm like, nobody says integrated
2: neighborhood. Civil rights.
3: I was raised in a in a uh, desegregated neighborhood. A, a, pr-
0: pr- north side of Richmond is predominantly black. OK, I went to I went to an integrated school, a Catholic school. I serve in the military. I don't need to be lectured by no. a bunch of by a bunch of
3: limousine liberals integrated when somebody tells you when somebody above the age of 45 tells you that i like we came from an integrated neighborhood just buckle up because some <laughs> racist is about to be said <laughs> like and some, some excuse is like no i'm not it's like it's the saying it's like it's almost like the millennium it's like i have a black friend like that's like that's like the same idea but yeah. like that that sentence is if okay.
1: you're like culturally working class you're just you're like racist you, yeah. you want to be able to say tranny yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. just real upset it's like well, how come i can't do that just I don't work with a wheel bearer, ever yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and I think that actually the Steve Bannon so we're, we're referring of course to Steve Bannon's 60 Minutes interview that he did this week I think that what The fact that he was able to just on a whim decide that he sides with like the working class, he's like truly a social, a national socialist, like he's a nationalist and he's basically an open socialist. He's like talking. I mean, in the interview, he was saying like,
1: we should be focused on how we bring the Cold War to an end so we don't have to. And I think it was President Obama's program. One trillion dollars to upgrade the nuclear arsenal? Is that what you wanna do? Is that where you wanna spend your money? Would you rather spend a trillion dollars in Cleveland, in Baltimore, in, in the inner cities of this country where we need to spend it, in the
2: heartland of this nation? This is the language of, na- of socialism and the fact that there's so much space between him and, like, Bernie, what's the main difference? Like, what aside from race and identity is the main difference? Steve this Bannon place- made
3: a lot of money off of Seinfeld, and Bernie didn't. <laughs> I didn't know he was a racist. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was about to. Yeah. Which, in the George Costanza character, you could pretty closely tie back <laughs> can to I say something Larry
2: Davis. Bannon! To, to <laughs> <say something laughs> <fighters>. uh, <laughs> Steve Bannon, I gotta say something about him. Steve Bannon has the look. Like, I think Steve Bannon's, like, ugly like a rock star. No, you're an idiot He's a fucking idiot <laughs> Steve Bannon Steve Bannon is like ugly in Like in a big jacket kind of way He looks like
1: boy. You ever You know those videos Where the tumor has teeth and hair oh, He I looks like it. that He's oh, fucked he up does. looking and what's weird, and his, also his voice doesn't match him. Like, you yep. always think he's going to yeah, have, like, like, a like a Powers Booth voice, like a bad guy from a 90s action movie. Yeah. And he's like, I don't like this. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck?
2: I don't know. He hey. speaks candidly. I would I would like to vote for a politician that looks like Steve Bannon, but, like, has different he views. Looks like I think he looks like... That's cool. He looks like <laughs> Sharon hart from Dune. He, like, <laughs>
3: that's what I think. He's the suspended block. He looks like, like, like...
2: You know what? Look, put it this way. The ugly people in Congress are like Ron Wyden or, like, uh, Bill Nelson, who like they, they're fake looking people they look like they're like halloween costumes. Steve Bannon is an ugly guy but he's ugly in a really earthy way. He's like got the goatee going, he's got the fucking stupid hair like yeah, I like, think Steve Bannon looks cool.
1: He looks like what fucking garbage smells like. He's a fucking hideous <laughs> man. Uh, and he made so much money off of Seinfeld.
3: I know that's the that's my favorite part, where he's like he somehow got hold of the syndication rights to Seinfeld, and that's like and that's where he just made yeah. His,
1: you know, he made like, so much fucking money. It yeah. was also funny is that video of him screaming in Trump's face like three days after he was elected, and no one ever talks about. It. It's a great video. He's just like shaking, screaming in Trump's face, and no one is ever like. What, uh, what the fuck happened there?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's a good question, actually. There, I mean, the flies on the wall for, the, like, you know, what we would pay for all this information, just, to, like, to just be on the inside. I, was, I would pay I mean, to I'm,
1: have less information at this point. I, don't, <laughs> my, I feel like my whole life has gotten fucked up by this election, and I didn't even want this to happen. It,
3: g- it gave Lenny and I the courage to start a podcast, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like I
1: said, I would, I would pay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dig deep. What if yeah. they, uh This is going back to... What if the Democratic Party... What if they got Steve Bannon? What if they were able to flip him and be like, "All right, look, they're we don't even out. want Bernie." Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, what if they just were like, maybe we can get this Bannon guy? I mean, he just got like ousted from the White House. Maybe we can just convince him he has some socialist policies. You said, Lenny, um, like you know, like why don't they? Why don't they just try that? I mean, they're like, well, there can't be B- Debbie Wasserman it's Like, <laughs> groom
2: Debbie into the next Steve yeah. Bannon. Yeah, she's got. She's gonna have. Yeah, she's gonna start stump speeching about the rapists. We're all about horse trading on the show. <laughs> unlikely
3: horse. <laughs> oh, unlikely. T- Political trades, yeah, like Elon Musk to North Korea. Yeah, I heard about
1: this
2: one. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, I
1: think it's a, a good rate. trade, but yeah. I mean, he would get fucking
2: nuked. Yeah, <laughs> if we traded Elon Musk to North Korea. Yeah, as soon as he... Yeah, we're trying to make that happen. It
1: would also be funny if he, like, this has been a long con, and he, like, knows this trade is coming, and then he's like, you're going to be the first guy to go to Mars, Kim Jong-un. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, he just, like, the t- block of the house explodes, and he's like... Very difficult to go to Mars. We're not going to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: well, I'll stick on electric cars. <laughs> that was actually really stupid. <laughs> hyperloop really can't go that far. <laughs> all
2: right. So let's pivot to uh, to um, uh, more of a light like, cultural uh, funds thing, which is okay. basically uh, Ezekiel Elliott's history of domestic violence. Hey-oh. Uh, so all right. So I, I don't actually know the full details of the story. I don't know if you do, anybody. But like. Ezekiel Elliott is been going on for a while. One of the um, he had trouble with this when he was entering the league, right? Uh, yeah, he, he had trouble in college. He gotten he's gotten in fights. He got he's been uh, accused of like domestic abuse. And he's, but he's also an NFL star, and so and he has a head um, shaped like a block. <laughs> he also doesn't Dude. look that big. Like he, he looks, I
1: think if you, I mean, he doesn't look that
3: big next to guys who play in the NFL. Maybe it's his, like, like, the, I, maybe the, he has like Cowboys narrow the,
2: shoulders or something. The
3: Cowboys have the, also have the biggest, I think, offensive line.
2: They probably the, yeah. yeah it's also, so, Dak, Dak is huge. Too, he could so.
3: definitely beat you up.
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm packing most of the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not if I had like a knife or something, dude. Yeah,
2: and also Just. if he was sleeping when he tried to do it. Um, yeah, no. But so he, uh, he he's had a couple of like run-ins with the law, and so basically, uh, ever since a couple of years ago, uh, when the NFL was like surprised by the, the by their being uh, imposed upon by this new role that they have of being like social arbiter, uh, where it's like, hey, we're gonna try to start addressing domestic violence. Uh, by having the NFL handle it, you know, like instead of the law or any other kind of like social institution. And so then Roger Goodell, who is basically paid to not give a shit about domestic violence, had to start improvising this like system. And so, um, all of a sudden you get, so for a while there was like overzealous. I actually personally, this, this is a hot take we could talk about another day. I actually think they came too came down too hard on Adrian Peterson for making his son bleed by beating him with a switch. I thought that was taken out of context. I, I, I worry about
1: telling people how to raise their kids for sure. And I also think that there's like a fucking legal system for a reason.
2: Yeah. And, and there's yeah. also, and there's other, and there's other circuit breakers on making sure that like, uh, you don't. I mean, there, there's not that many industries that would like prevent you from working if you were like allowed to work and you were super valuable. But it's good that the NFL was trying to do this. Anyway, it backfired on them when they, it turns out that uh, they, they handed down this punishment to Ezekiel Elliott and the union um, basically stood up for him and was like, hey, we're going to call you out of the fact that you have no formal process for coming to a decision. We it's don't. Not, it's the association, right? It's not a union. It, yeah. it is a union. It is a union? Yeah, the NFLPA is a union. Okay. Um, and um, we'll figure out what is the difference between a
3: players' association and a union. I, I mean start. the pr- yeah. the
2: br- the uh, fraternal order. What is it? The yeah, was, oh, Benevolent Association is not actually benevolent.
3: Malevolent It's
2: not yeah. good. <laughs> hey,
3: I get a, hey, I get a PBA card from some of my <laughs> relatives. Or the are you talking about the police? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Police. Yeah, so I get, I get, just because I have uh, police relatives, I get to pretend like I can get out of crimes. Um, yeah,
2: Brian could choose someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I avenue yeah,
3: yeah, I'm I'm for that matter.
2: <laughs> Those are actually punch cards. So once uh, you get to the third, literally, you can punch people and
3: Kill someone. <laughs>
2: uh so the yeah, so like I mean most unions do this, yeah. I mean cop unions do it too. Cop unions are funny though, because they're pretty much like they're they're kind of like the Steve Bannons of the like, I don't know, social services world. Um but they're like extremely <laughs> like a legitimized
1: uh, gang counsel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, but so anyway, yeah, so they called the NFL out on this. And so basically, long story short, there was an arbitrator. And so at the end of the story is that this, uh, there's kind of a mixed narrative because on the one hand, you have a, oh, and so the NFL basically allowed him to play. And, they, and, and an arbitrator uh, said, you have no legal ability to prevent him from playing because you have a very, like, inherently capricious system. So on the one hand, the narrative is like, this is a black union employee who uh, was able to triumph over truly, like, the easiest to fucking hate people in the country, which are football owners at yeah. the NFL and Roger Goodell. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have the fact that now domestic abuse is going completely unpunished. And um, so the kind of question is, like, how, what is, like, the right read on this? Like, which narrative Well, observed pr- turn and
1: unpunished. Because, I mean, likely this kind of shit's been going on forever, but there's right. just been less eyeballs on it and there's been less media coverage of it.
3: Yeah. I'd also argue that the – I'd also argue that the NFL, even though, yes, in – trying to do a good job in policing like people that make these the these decisions or not decisions they make commit these crimes uh, or potentially do um they, they've all but they also clearly showed no ability to actually do that correct with the ray rice one when they just Ray Rice they came down they're like oh yeah Ray Rice is only suspended for two games we did it everyone it was just a, uh, it was a, it was a little spat between <laughs> he and his wife and then the video leaks and they're like never mind <laughs> and they're like uh, that wasn't just like a little like lovers quarrel that was a straight up but that was a, yeah that
2: was the beginning yeah, like, though of when the NFL kind of found out they yeah. they were the last to find out that they were going to be held responsible for adjudicating yeah. domestic abuse and they didn't, and yeah, I mean, they, they they came out with punishment. Then video evidence came out, which just looks worse. And then they were like, all right, actually, it's more games, you know. And the and it's kind of to the point of the NFLPA. It is a capricious uh, decision making system. But the problem is, like, what do you choose in terms of like who's right? Also, you know,
1: yeah. there's the, there's the third element of like this is a brand. This is a fucking TV show, and like they need to consider that even if you get let off, even if you have an, you hire an amazing attorney, and yeah. it's the if the prevailing societal opinion is that you are an abuser, yeah it might be worth it to them just to, like, just have just a capricious system where yeah. they can, they're can they allowed to jettison, you know, toxic assets.
2: So, Ben, what do you think the, like, woke person's response to, like, the Ezekiel Elliott, like, saga is? So
1: whenever there's, like, a cultural flashpoint <laughs> like this around something that woke people don't engage with at all, ever, anyway, yeah. like, a lot of times uh, it'll be something in rap or, like, hip-hop radio and someone's like, well, I can't believe that charlemagne the god says like but if you were listening to charlemagne the god like you have anything we're talking about but yeah they're just gonna say that
2: don imus too remember that on the other side yeah don imus said horrible shit all the time and all of a sudden yeah
1: but yeah i mean the take is gonna (laughs) be that like actually football is just bad and i don't care about this it's gonna be like we shouldn't engage with this at all and uh it's a it's it's not an unfair take, but it's also going to be disingenuously made by people who didn't give a shit to begin with and are now claiming to take some kind of moral abstinence from watching football, something that they didn't give a shit about, and now have a fucking easy out to like be like, well, actually, the reason I don't watch it is because it's immoral, not
2: because I'm a fucking... I don't enormous. like to watch a field full of like domestic abusers run into other domestic abusers and they're enabling you know oligarchic overlords. It's like, yeah. fuck it. That's get away that's kind of from the, the answer. Pun- I mean,
3: maybe that's the punishment they deserve <laughs> is that, that they entertain everybody for for millions, and then to ruin their brains, <laughs> and, and and then also end up broke probably within five years because they're not actually getting making that much money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and which is why again to the players' association union, whatever you want to call it, that's like they're the. I really think the NFL should have gone on. The the players' association should have gone on strike whenever they were like their contract. Last contract was up because like they are completely. I think this is them just reasserting power. I think that's what it is. I think the NFLPA is just kind of like, well, we got to get a win for one of our guys because it's like we didn't get like we didn't get anything we wanted. Whereas like the reduced preseason, like we didn't get any like we don't we have no leverage anymore. We've clearly shown that the owners like run this show, and I don't know if it's just going to lead to. I think maybe just at the end of the day kind of what Ben was alluding to. It was like, we all just decide, or even just football fans just decide that like, uh, all right, if I'm just going to have to get into this moral, like, like kind of, fill like, if we're going to have to have this discussion, I mean, I know I watch football and many you do too. And Ben, I, it's oh, like, hell yeah, yeah. Yeah. we're all a football it's fans best. here.
2: It's, it's awesome. Ben puts on his eye black, orders a bunch of Bud Light, <laughs> has a bunch of multiracial friends over in a really clean apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can, I come to, can
0: I come to that
2: party? <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, can no. you, be, can, can <laughs> you, you be an Indian guy wearing a jersey? <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: can you be like a really woke, actually, not uh, body positive fat lady? Really <laughs> Indian people in those ads. And uh, a Vince Wilfork jersey.
2: <laughs> You'd be an accessibly attractive girl.
3: She um, loves Bud Light. But uh, but yeah, I guess it's just that we just. Uh, I mean, it'll that's what it'll just lead to this spiraling where we're just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I guess the NFL, we just shouldn't watch it. Let's just all like, well, watch I basketball guess. or like something. Like I, <laughs> I I
1: mean I don't know. The popularity of the sport is it's re- anyone you know who like played football actually says now like it's hard to watch because they're like there's an injury every other yeah. fucking five yards like yeah. it's. Constant, it's just designed to be watched on television. Same time, I fucking like watching football. I have a good time doing it. Yeah, I prefer you, it to college it. football. Yeah. Um
2: I wish, yeah. I, wish, I wish I was watching football right now instead of recording this dumbass podcast. <laughs> well,
3: it's it's Wednesday, honey, so we gotta wait till tomorrow night. We, for, no, we Wednesday gotta wait until football. next
2: year when Roger Goodell announces Wednesday night football. But <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I'm featuring I, like, a high school team versus Whatever, the, college whatever team. the
3: fallout of this is,
1: sorry, I keep telling that. Whatever the fallout of this is, I like it will annoy me less than the hot takes from it. And it'll affect yeah. my life less because, like, this could be a one-off thing or it could be a precedent-setting thing. I think there's a lot of weirdness, like, in college about sexual assault where it's handled by essentially, yeah. like, psych students and yeah. then some professor who's like, I need to earn a little extra money because I don't make enough as a professor. Right. And, like, it's not the best system. We can all agree on that. Whatever comes out of this, like, I, I don't really know how to feel or where to land on it. But well, that's,
3: that's actually a good point about how, like, there we do... We, like America, which prides itself on being such a judicious and like, and le- like a law abiding country is that we've just, for whatever these monopolistic, whether it be higher education or the NFL or major league baseball, we're just kind of like, and that's been the history of it too. We are just like, uh, they have like, they, we just kind of ger- granted them an indulgence. So we'll just kind of let them be the, the deciders on this. But, one the, but in, these and,
1: court systems are non, they're not really punitive. They're performative. The right. whole idea is like, we want all the parents who pay for these kids to go to school to feel like their kids are safe yeah. or or at least like we're striking at the kids who aren't safe. NFL is doing the same thing. We want all the viewers to feel that we have a moral barometer. None of this is really about individual punishment. Like, there's a reason Pac-Man Jones can slam a stripper's face into a stage and then hug Roger Goodell and still get let back into the league because yeah. they don't really give a shit about keeping them out of the league. These guys only have a couple good years to play and they want them playing as much as fucking right. possible. Yeah. This is for us. This is all for our benefit. And yeah. we don't even fucking
3: like it. Yeah. And it's it's optics and it's just letting you it's know. It's a hygienic
2: and thing because they're trying to keep themselves away from getting criticized. They're yeah. try, they're not trying to imp- improve anything. It's not a rehabilitative in any way. It's just, you know, they're trying to not. They're, they're sick of getting yelled at. Um I do remember uh, when uh, uh, <laughs> there was a, a football game where um, uh, Troy Polamalu was playing, and Joe Buck was like, uh, "You talk to anyone, like, and and you hear that Troy Polamalu is like the nicest guy in the world, but on the field he is vicious." And I was like, ah, "That doesn't make any sense. Like, his job is to like basically bring harm to other people. There's no way to do it without that. And like, there's kind of like the underlying mindset you have to have to do that is like." kind of psycho. And I think that the more that society, like... I mean, I love football, but the more society becomes uh, basically unable to condone the violence of football, uh, the more easy it's going to be to, like, solve this issue of, like, who's right, owner versus player, with, like, yeah, like what you said, Ben. Like, I I actually just don't watch football because I don't agree with it philosophically. Yeah. Yeah, Boris had that joke
1: about... uh, Our friend Boris, (laughs) I get a joke. Uh, He's like, yeah, someone told me that uh, NFL player beat the shit out of his wife. Like, can you believe that? It's like, oh yeah, no, I can believe that. Yeah. This <laughs> guy does that professionally. <laughs> we can't. I don't think he goes home and is like, let's just sit down, take some breaths, work <laughs> this out. Just, I have a problem. I fucking punch it in the face. I think they're trying
3: to, they are trying to do, like if you saw this, um, this season of Hard Knocks. Do you guys watch it? Oh, oh hell, like, yeah, like yeah. The, the first episode, they show, like, there's all the players going to a yoga class with their, like, wives, or girlfriends, or whatever. Like, that was I go, for go,
1: your benefit. I know, <laughs> but that's, what,
3: that's, what, that's what I'm saying, though, is that they, they are, again, kind of corroborating that point where it's like, there are, we all know that there's these guys... Based on the greatest film of all time, Any Given Sunday, (laughs) where where I got to see Lawrence Taylor's dick. We were just just talking talking about about that. that. (laughs) In
1: the (laughs) shower.
3: (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> we, uh, great great classic film great halftime speech uh, by Al Pacino or was a before the game speech I can't remember um, see I uh, let me take but, a hot
1: take on that film fuck that film
3: no I <laughs> that, that movie okay. sucks <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to it is fun to watch though it is like it's not a good movie it's but it is fucking
1: Oliver Stone's it's a woke person's take on I football know. like that when people are like this is why I don't watch football it's because they believe that any given Sunday is like yeah. the only possible way of viewing that sport right. and then they come away from and they're like man all the owners should be like Cameron Diaz. That would be awesome. All the owners are like fucking Jerry Jones.
2: I know. What are Charlton shit? Heston's Jerry. last films though? You gotta give him that.
1: Good. I'm fucking glad that guy's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Now you can take his gun. <laughs> you can take the football. Out, <laughs> That'd cool
1: be amazing if, when he died. His wife was like.
2: give it <laughs> Give me the gun <laughs> Or a bunch of tourists
3: Were like yes yeah. yes yes No no bounce. um Wait hold on So then, can we Can we insert the audio though I always I, I'm a sucker for it though Can we still insert At some point Part of the Al Pacino speech Where he just goes We gotta crawl With the fingernails <laughs> Only if
2: I get to say That I actually think That speech is really bad I, and know, I like I know, Hate that I'm speech i fucking hate like Oliver was, Stone
3: generally I think it's fucking at, Oh I love JFK Cause I love four hours Of just getting my mind Lost <laughs> in that war The part before. where they
1: Explain fucking time Time zones in Australia. It was already the next day. Like, yeah, no, it, it what, the what, like, yeah, no shit. The
3: fucking Earth yeah. spins, you yeah. moron. Uh, not according to some people, particularly Shaq um, <laughs> and and Kyrie Irving um, and a bunch of other people on YouTube. Um, but no, I want that. Yeah, that, that speech does. But that's why I think it's so great about. it Again, that movie is great. I, I I love Oliver Stone for all the reasons that you hate him. Because I'm just like, this is just like this. kind of, Like, it's just the abstraction of just like, let's let somebody go loose and think about like. What I bet I've you never, Steve Bannon
1: yeah. thinks he looks like Oliver Stone.
3: No, but like, like in a his mind He's like guy Yeah like a, I,
1: I'm not Trying hard enough But in reality He looks like he has Like some kind of Degenerative He looks like he has Fucking lupus or something <laughs> Yeah
2: He's he got doesn't. that weird Eye thing Yeah he does <laughs> Speaking of eyes Remember on any given Sunday when a guy Gets his Eye, take, eye that's Yeah you just see A guy that, like that ah, ah, He's on the turf And then you just zoom, Like smash cut To like an, his eye On the ground That is oh. the part Where every
3: football fan Has like cognitive dissonance Cause you're like Nobody lost a fucking Like it's like It wasn't even like His eye got gouged out Or got gouge on the, it's just like somebody hit him and his eye just like popped out like a cartoon one, <laughs>
1: <laughs> one time i was uh i was with my friend uh and we got introduced to jamie fox and uh we were we a remember party. that time you threw up in a game yeah no and my friends my friend we got introduced to my friend's dad my friend's dad's like this is my son uh and he like he plays quarterback at the school and uh Jamie, do you know anything about football? My friend was like, "Are you kidding? This is Booby Miles." <clears throat> <laughs> fucking Jamie Fox was like, <laughs> "Booby Miles." <laughs> We were like 22. And he's like, Good night, gentlemen. Just walked away
0: from
1: us. <laughs> and my friend was like, Oh my God, he's steaming Willie Beeman. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. It was the worst thing ever. Oh, no.
3: I Wait. also
1: shook his hand way too hard and did that thing where you pop the pinky knuckle over and he ripped his hand back from me. I it, He was like the most intimidating, manly man I admit, I've ever met. Yeah. You
2: said you saw him enter a room just by like sauntering into the doorway. Yeah, I was. His hands I was in the, the opposite.
1: Top. I was in uh, a different dressing room than him. And I was like walking out and I was like waiting and he just came out directly across from me. And, uh, he just like was alone and he just stared out the door oh and held the door frame. And his gaze was so intense like, I couldn't hold it.
2: so <laughs> I just looked down and I was like, all right guys, I'll, I'll see you out there. It's like ran out. Now tell about when you hugged Jonah Hill. Oh yeah. That was, yeah, that was another
3: night. When, uh, was that also incredibly intimidating? <laughs> no, no, this rule. <laughs> I, I,
1: I, uh, I was walking out of a club and he was just massively huge. I mean, like he was fat at the time, and uh, he was
3: like peak Jonah.
1: Yeah, he was filming. He was filming Wolf of Wall Street because I remember they were filming it like in my town, and I walked through the set. Yeah, I'm a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw him, and I like, I was like, oh cool, Jordan Hill. But I wanted to get out because it was pretty late, and I like, I just need to get out of the club, and I. Patted him on the back and he's talking to some chick and uh, I'm like can I get by you? and his back was like jello like it just like shook when I hit it and then it's like
3: one of those 3D it, re- where you it see was it was really ripple. weird like, and I'm like hey okay.
1: I was like hey man can I get by you and he just turned around like oh yeah bro. okay bro yeah you too man really and I'm like dad me up and he like high five oh. me and I was like oh yeah That's fucking sweet cool <laughs> I keep walking this girl's like how do you know Jonah <laughs> I was like. Holy shit, I'm never gonna be cool like this again. I think it's like cool to say. And I said nothing. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs>
2: I don't know. Bye.
1: Like, he was blocking the door <laughs>
3: <laughs> with his massive frame. Yeah, he was uh, blocking.
2: Uh, yeah, he's blocking a double door. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, man. Well, we didn't solve anything. No, uh, we did, kind of did. I yeah. think the Ta-Nehisi Coates is mostly right about identity, uh, the identity role of Donald Trump. I think he should have called
3: the, the first orange president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. That would be a good, like, that
2: would be a good, like, national review takedown of it. Yeah. Do um, you and, think Clickhole
1: uh, will ever do anything, like, Tanahisi based? Oh, and, I wish they, they would. They do something that's just called, like, I wish you would. <laughs> this is white people's fault.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like 3,000 words. It's like, ah, oh, I got to read it. Everyone else has read it. I got to. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: so, like, yeah. who's <laughs> that guy that did <laughs> pull quotes from <laughs> just like,
1: like, we were talking about how, like, I'm skeptical of Tony Easy Coach just because every fucking stupid smart person I know, like, comes themselves if you say their name. Yeah. They're just, like, they have to fucking pry themselves out of their pants afterwards. And you're like, I mean, you're dumb. So if you think it's this smart, yeah. something's happening here that I should go back and read.
2: Yeah. Tony Easy Coates, it, it is funny that he, he laments, like, uh, how racist we are, given that the reason he's famous is because... He's a he's a great writer, undoubtedly. But his entire case that he makes is like he knows that white, privileged, like educated liberals love to just get fucking beat with the cane of remind of being reminded how bad they are, and he's got the biggest cane at the party, and their hands are on the wall, and they're like, "Give it to me, give it to me, Donnie." And oh, now I'm hard.
1: Well, not even just fucking that. Like the we were the the intended audience of that piece is us, right? Yeah. Like it's not like he's saying to the like these people like these fucking haysies are like oh, look at that. He's right. I do think I'm impressed. But right here, this figure says that I'm actually doing pretty well. This isn't for them. It's for us. And for us, like it's not, I guess it wasn't meant to be prescriptive. Like you're not supposed to be like, now read this. Now these are the politicians that are taking up this banner that can help you move forward. But it did feel like I get, like I'm with you. I don't think this is going to be the thesis that gets people to the polls. I don't think it's going to be the thesis that like he
2: cracks this. He's is. really bad at thinking of solutions to things between the world and me. One of the, on the fly leaf, it said like, just cause I had to wrap up the sentence of on the fly leaf. And it was like, and a bold new vision for the future. There's no vision for the future. He's just depressed. He's sad. He's atheistic. He's like, nothing matters. I'm, I'm, I'm that's why he's probably so into French stuff. Cause he's so nihilistic. And yet he is very happy to, to talk about the past and really has no, no regard for the future. Um, and I think that's probably a good place to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I also have no regrets. I live in the, the fucking
1: yeah. now as hard as yeah, I can. Hey, Everybody I just live in the Eckert now. Eckhart totally, <laughs> baby. power now.
3: Uh, we'll promote his book. Uh, give that plug. Um, Ben, do you have anything to plug before I, The Secret uh-huh. by Ben Katillo?
1: Yeah, I wrote a book called The Secret. <laughs> um,
3: I fucking, yeah,
1: I mean, if anything, can I plug uh, Wheeler Walker Jr.? Yeah, there you <laughs> he's go. Got, he's playing the Kid Rock Jamboree October 22nd in Austin. Uh, I'm thinking about going. Oh, hell yeah. We uh, should go
2: to that. Let's do it. This let's my, go it's see Wheeler, it's Wheeler my Walker. birthday.
1: I'm dead-ass serious about this shit. Let's go. We <laughs> could
2: really get a cheap flight to Austin in October. No,
3: no, no. There's none. I already looked. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs>
2: <either>. <laughs> there's no seats available. They stopped the planes. Uh,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Let's take a bus to Austin. Uh, but hey, that'll be horrible. Um, I have to, as always, a shout out to our fans in Tajikistan. We're keeping it in the normal RSS feed, guys. So we're going to continue on Infinity License. Yep. Shout out back, to, back my, to
2: Infinity License. Back to
3: Infinity License. Shout out to my Indiegogo campaign On the New York Jets. That have is, you got any money for that? I've bullshit? Gotten, look, it's going well, but we haven't gotten any donations. Right. And I think it's I'm, people think I'm being how much are you asking this. for? Well, the max Indiegogo would let me say was two point seven. Two hundred and seventy million dollars, but I want to add an extra zero onto that. So if right. we reach that goal, we're going to do another Indiegogo campaign and then do another one, and then I think we might be. What at- is
2: their actual cap? Three hundred million dollars.
3: Uh, it's not the cap. I mean, that's just the play- player salaries. The actual value of the team is close to. Two no, points. I know, but yeah. what is Nikoko's cap? Like, oh, I it? don't know. I just I just put in a bunch of zeros, and they told me, I, and I deleted zeros until they said that. <laughs> I, like,
1: oh. I just kept hitting zero, and uh, eventually I, just kept I couldn't hitting zero. And they're one. like,
3: that's too many, and I went, went back one, and they're like, there you go.
1: Can I? I want to also shout out Saddam Hussein for uh,
3: following me on LinkedIn. Yeah, Saddam Hussein on LinkedIn. Let's go find him. Shout connect. out. Yeah. Can you? Can I'm going to connect to you on LinkedIn and then connect to Saddam. Can yeah. Time? Hell yeah. We're uh, connecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. In Nailed me Alright uh, Thanks everybody Alright You've just been licensed Taking pictures of my mama While she's trying to take a shit Then I'm throwing rocks at cripples And I laugh when they get hit Pull my picture out at Walmart and I pop my sister's zip Checking off my neighbor's dog I love their redneck shit